The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat questions podcast your wednesday podcast at gopowercat.com as we bring you podcasts for your ears we thought about doing it for your stomach but we couldn't figure out how to get it into like cheetos form no that's not true that's that's not true at all we we, we didn't do that i'm tim fitzgerald that was riley gates zach carlson over here this is your questions podcast this is where you send us questions and we attempt to answer them, no matter how challenging. Alex Trebek could ask us a question. We'd respond in the form of a question. I would just get it wrong. I don't. I couldn't do that show. I'd trip over that. Hole. What would you risk on your daily double if you had to answer a K-State football question? What's the category and what's the amount? I don't know. I, I need you know, time to think of a yeah, funny see, category. Yeah, see, that doesn't work. We're sponsored by The Fridge. I would risk it all if the question was about the fridge, as long as I had Kevin or Mike to answer for me. Hey, they're getting in. Um, I'm going to make fun of our sponsor now. Um, <laughs> they're getting in all their October beers. Uh, they had a tweet just a little bit ago. The Dogfish Head Brewery now has their pumpkin ale available. I... I don't know. It's a brown ale. I usually like brown ales, but I'm sure it's got pumpkin. I like how they don't spell it with a P, pumpkin. Spell it with a P, what? Oh, pumpkin. Got it. A second 
Yeah, I was like, they definitely did spell it with a P. There's some other ones in. Uh, let's see. The Voodoo Ranger Hop Avenger IPA. Mm. The Double Hard, double Two-Hearted Ale. A Double American IPA. I don't know what that means. I'm not a beer guy. That just sounds like it's got a lot of hops in it. I wonder if they have an Oktoberfest. Well, I'm sure they do. Let's see what's over here. I'm always oh, willing to try an Oktoberfest. It's some seltzers. Those things are becoming the most popular drink out there. And I got to tell you, the Natty Light one, it's pretty good. That's what they had in that photo. Anyhow, get into the fridge. If you're into pumpkin ales or other things that taste like fall, they have it. And they have everything. They have so much stuff. It's it's like if uh, Hank uh, from Shameless went to heaven. It would be the fridge wholesale liquor. That that got to a very narrow category of listeners right there. It's fair. All three of them. Shameless is quite popular. It's also quite offensive. Uh, it's been a good day, guys. It's a good day. Although someone on uh, on Twitter said, hey, Kevin Keatsman's doing a zero-listener podcast. And I'm like, my mom listens. Mine doesn't. She counts. My sister's getting ready to go to Europe. She she listens. She's just downloaded them all to listen. Don't be mean to me. She's going to Europe and is going to listen to the podcast the whole way? I love that thought. She's going to need about 90 podcasts, though. <laughs> I know. She said she downloaded other ones. But I feel like I should put in here uh, a, a reference to my sister. So if she downloads this one, she'll have to hear me say, Amy, I hate you. <laughs> Ouch. You smell funny. Gross. Now my sister's going to Europe with my niece. Sounds like a cool trip. They're going to go to uh, Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland. And as far as I know, they're not smuggling drugs. So that's good. They might be smuggling dogs. You're going to get her in trouble. TSA, if you're listening, could you please pull her out of line? Zach's just numb to all of this at this point. I said the fridge. We're sponsored by Tanners in the first yep, half. There you go. Man, so much, so many responsibilities. I know this seems easy, but I have to push buttons and talk and remember stuff. All of that, for me, is difficult. Get into Tanners. Had a great time in there the other night. I would share details with you, but honestly, I don't remember much. <laughs> it was fun. Very nice. I hope my doctor isn't listening. It was great. Great. And uh, big news, my friend Charlie, saying hi to Charlie here. Uh, our good friend Jeremy is moving on to other endeavors. Well, he's going to be the general manager. Get that open over there? The general, the general manager of Colbert Hills. Very cool. And Charlie, the assistant general manager, will become the general manager. Still an awesome place. Still will be an advertiser. And we still love them. And here are your questions from Wabash Station. From Purple Powerhouse, is there any word on whether the team and coaches accomplished what they wanted during the off week? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it the, this off week so early is kind of like whatever, you know. Yeah, they had some things to fix, a few small technical things here and there, muffed punts, but there weren't like major like, oh yeah. wow, that's a huge red flag. It's oh wow, polish. somebody's yeah. really hurt and they're very questionable moving forward. It. That's one of the benefits, but also the downside of an early bye week is you don't really know that much that you need to work on. 
So there wasn't tons, I would say, to point out. Yeah, I agree. It did come out that uh, Wyatt Hubert ate a corner piece of their jigsaw puzzle they were working on during the off week. So they were unable to <laughs> complete that. But <laughs> 3,000 pieces and Wyatt ate a corner piece. <laughs> I don't know why he said we had zero listeners. This is quality crap right here. <laughs> yeah, Kleiman seemed very upbeat and happy, but he always is. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what to take from that. From Catchy Cat, new person, welcome. Welcome to the site, I believe. I don't think he's been here that long. Nice. So. Yeah. The line for the Oklahoma State game opened at seven and a half, and within the hour was down to four and three and a half. Some places is that a testament to Las Vegas fixing themselves or an influx of K State bets to cover? Well, Vegas isn't fixing it; they're tracking the amount of money coming in. So, yeah, Vegas doesn't work like ah, oh, we think we were wrong. We're going to change it. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, K State's going to win. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not exactly they're, how it they're goes. They're just uh, balancing it back out, trying to get more people to bet on Oklahoma State to even out the money. So they can't lose. Um, but I do think, I do seem to believe that I've seen lines move radically this year. I don't remember them dropping three, four points in hours like they are this year. I think people are just uh, out of step with what Vegas thinks. I don't know. Maybe, maybe K-Staters gamble a lot. And I mean this seriously. Maybe they gamble lots. They try to get money out there on them and then adjust the line, try to get other money back in the other way. I'm not sure. Uh, I thought it was an extremely high line, particularly since Mississippi State opened at 8.5 and, and K-State won outright. So um, I feel like this is kind of a comparable game. Not saying I believe K-State will win emphatically, but I thought 7.5 was. I think it's going to be within three points either way. I mean, hell, I thought there was a chance that K-State might be a slight favorite. I was shocked that they were seven-point dogs. I was, too. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, probably could have predicted they'd be underdogs on the road. Still, yes, they beat Mississippi State, but still a lot to prove. But I really thought it'd be one to three points if K-State was a dog. I, I was shocked as hell to see seven. And people were like, oh, that's, that seems like an appropriate line. Seven points is a lot of points. I mean, it's for a team that just went on the road and, and beat Mississippi State in their house. I, I could sit, sit here and say it a hundred times. I couldn't believe it. I was really shocked. From KNED, everyone, myself included, prefers the new coach the new coach Hayes, since it seems easier for Oklahoma State to score from inside their own twenty inside their twenty rather than inside your twenty. Is this the one week to hire the old coach Hayes as an analyst? Now we cut away for an editorial addition to the question. The old Coach Hayes is spelled H-A-Y-E-S. The new Coach Hayes is spelled H-A-Z-E. And in fairness, he did type that out that way. So he did know that. Well, yes, but our listeners ah, yes. can't pick we're, up the subtly We're referring to Scotty Hazleton and Tom Hayes, for those unaware. Uh, on, on, who was that from? Canid. As I just made some strange noises. I, uh, I'll i be very intrigued to see what they do. Because it does make sense to do some bend but don't break. But that doesn't seem to be in Coach Z's, hey Z's <laughs> Why can't we just call him Scotty and Tom? <laughs> so I, I'll i be intrigued by this. I, I don't think he's going to do it. But if they get blown out 73 to nothing, probably you were right. 
Well, you got to look at it this way. I mean, yes, the bend but don't break, the cushion worked against Oklahoma State two years ago when they had uh, Mason Rudolph at quarterback and, uh, oh, Santa Claus. What's his name? Why am I blanking on the Oklahoma State receiver from oh James Washington? Goodness gracious! Uh, he was the founder of our country. Sure, we'll go with that. Um, it's it, it's a lot that could work in that situation like that, and then you know it kind of translates now to Spencer Sanders and Tylen Wallace. But the difference is that Coach Tom Hayes in that 2017 team, they didn't have a defensive line like this. Or at least that wasn't executing like like this one is. And that puts this team in a much better position because they're getting pressure on the quarterback. They're able to stop the run at the line of scrimmage a lot better than that old team was. And I think that's something that you have to take into account. So, yeah, you can sit here and say, like, oh, man, we should really pay bend but don't break because they can hit you with the deep ball. And it clearly worked against Oklahoma State last time. But it's an entirely new defensive mindset. And. I'd kind of like to see him play aggressive from the start. You know, maybe they do get burnt on the first drive and they give up a 50-some, 60-some yard touchdown, and then you got to do a little bit of a switch-up. But I'd sure hate to give up 400 passing yards never knowing, hey, could they play aggressive against these guys. From ContraCat, what position group needs to overperform the most to bring home a win against Oklahoma State? Secondary. For me, it's secondary. You're going to have to cover extremely well because – you're not going to be able to drop back in zone because of the running game, you know, both the quarterback and running back. So, yeah, I think the secondary is going to have to do a great job. And whether they're in zone or man of matching up and, and taking care of guys and letting the front end of that defense worry about what Oklahoma State can hurt you with up front. I think it's secondary as well. But just to throw another suggestion out there, the receivers got to do a lot better job of getting separation in this one because honestly, I think that K State, I think K State can run the ball against this team. I think K State will run the ball well against this team, but I also think they're going to have to make some big plays in the passing game because I do think that Skylar Thompson. You know, the first two games we said, hey, he hasn't uh, shown anything, but he didn't have to um, because you know he, he the running game was so effective and and the blowouts are so big that he never had to throw the ball that much. Then K-State kind of needed him to throw the ball a little bit against Mississippi State, and he made some plays. Obviously, uh, you know, hit Landry Weber wide open there. He hit Nick Lenners over the middle, and then the you know the touchdown to Dalton Schoen. I'm not saying he didn't make plays, but he wasn't exactly. You, you didn't look at the at that Mississippi State game and go like, man, Skylar Thompson made a lot of big passes. The passing game was really effective, and I think a lot of that is the receivers not getting open that much against some really good DBs. So I'd like to see them maybe do that a little bit and, you know, have those big plays. We've seen Skyler do it. We've seen Skyler do it in Stillwater, no less, um, you know, two years ago with Byron Pringle. So I think if they could maybe get some of those big plays going, you create a little bit of a, another dimension to try and stop. From 1968 alum, will we have any trouble being able to rotate defensive players in against Oklahoma State's hurry-up offense? I don't. Well, I mean, if you're trying to do it on the fly where they don't change personnel, you will have problems, right. unless you're near your sideline and can bring someone on quickly. But, I mean, if they make if they change any personnel, they have to wait for you. So that that's where the game changed. When they changed that rule, it took a lot of the sting out of these offenses. They used to trap you in personnel, and then 
then you couldn't sub because they were going so fast. But now they just can't get away with that. Mm-hmm. And I think, yes, it'll be tough, no doubt. I mean, when you're, I think they said the players today said they were they had eight seconds in practice from the time they made the tackle. They had eight seconds to get lined up on defense and get ready to run the next play. So that's what they're doing this week to prepare for that. But they've been working on this the whole time, you know, rotating in and out, getting different guys in there and, and not really having 40 seconds to prepare for it. So I, I, could, I, could see them, I could see them getting worn out a little bit more, but they have the depth. They've been used to rotating, and, and then it's just about speed. It's not about the, you know, hey, where am I? What are we doing? They're used to it at this point. They just got to do it a little bit faster. Eight seconds? That's what uh, A.J. Parker – was it A.J. Parker? Elijah Sullivan? Elijah Sullivan. Okay, maybe it was. I forgot who was, who said it. But, yeah, they said they had eight seconds from the time they made the tackle to get up and and get set for the next play. Well, that's not very long if you're trying to get lined up on defense. But if you're riding a bull, that's impressive. <laughs> From just moves on. from Purple Poncho Villa. He's just had it at this point. Shubba had 32 carries at Tulsa and 37 at Texas. Unbelievable. Is there any way he can keep this pace up? No. No. Guys, he had 124 last season. What's he at now? 103. 103. He will surpass his season total in this game. In all likelihood, unless they come out throwing the ball. But even if they do throw they like, like to take... To take Chuba Hubbard out of the game would just be idiotic. Is it Chuba or Chuba? It's Chuba. My bad. Chuba Hubbard. That's where I the confusion. I thought it was Chuba. It's Chuba Hubbard. The confusion is because there's two Bs on Hubbard, one B on his on Chuba. Oh, there's only one B. Yeah. I don't know why I had in my head it was two. Yeah, I kept. I, uh, I was editing a D Scott story and it wasn't picking up his name. And I'm like, what? He's a ve- it's a very distinct name. It's not like there's two of them. And then I was like, ah, he put two Bs in Chuba, so oh it is Chuba. God. But no, there's no way that they. D. Scott Fritzen's been suspended. Uh, no, he's. He, I was just amazed they don't have someone else to come in it and have a few carries, carry the ball ten times. Because Spencer Sanders is their second leading rusher. Uh, I said this to Monty Spiller on the uh, Sources podcast this week. If you haven't heard it, you might want to go listen to that. Uh, it strikes me, it reminds me of K-State's offense in the past, except it was quarterback, run, 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 run. It's an offense lacking enough answers, lacking enough texture and, and you know, volume to do different things. It's, it's like having uh, a little sister that always answers the same way, like, I know you are, but what am I? You know, I mean, just the same thing over and over. How are you going to counter that? We're going to run the quarterback. How are you going to counter this? We're going to run the quarterback. And it's kind of the same thing. It feels like they just aren't developing other elements of their offense, and which I find strange because they have other skills on that offense side of the ball. They just seem so enamored with running the ball from the quarterback or the running back. They just do it over and over and over and kind of lacks creativity. Well, and Mike Gundy was asked about it uh, after the uh, after the game where he had 32, he was asked about it and he said, "Yeah, that was probably that's probably too many carries." And then he was asked Hold about it. Here. He was asked about it twice this Monday after the 37 carries. And he said, "Well, uh, to me on the teleconference he said, you know, that's that's probably more than he would like to do." And then his press conference he said, 
Well, 37 is five more than I said was too many. So how do you, you know, how do you think I feel about 37? So he's aware of it. They've had this conversation and I think he knows he needs to change what he's doing. The question becomes, does he change it in this game or does he change it in the next game? Because five games in, even though you're carrying the ball over 30 times, I doubt he's really feeling it just yet. Maybe a little bit, maybe here and there, but it's not a major weight down like it's going to be in games seven, eight, nine. So I'm just interested to see when Gundy starts going a different way. If he ends up having like two hundred almost push 300 carries that'd be insane what they're doing already is insane what? good for them a gundy is insane from sco cats what appears to be more difficult for this k-state defense stopping spencer sanders in the quarterback scramble situation chuba hubbard in the running game or tylen wallace in this receiving game this is when you say it's chuba <laughs> just mess with them yeah it's an interesting question because my, I'm not going to say Chuba because they've shown the ability to shut down a good running back. They did it well, not shut down, but contain a good running back in Kylan Hill. And I want to say Tylen Wallace because I'm iffy on the secondary still. But I thought at times Mississippi State ran the quarterback pretty well, and you know that that's that's with a quarterback that wasn't all that great at it. Now they've got a quarterback that is especially great at it. So. Like I, I want to say both of those, and and I think they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, if you've got the quarterback run game going, then you're going to be able to open up that play action a little bit, I think, and and probably find Tylen Wallace. My gut would say stopping Tylen Wallace just because I need to see AJ Parker against a guy like him. And that's what I need to see before I can make a true ruling on him. For me, it's stopping Sanders because they're going to be locked in on Hubbard and stopping him, but that could free up the quarterback to do a lot of damage running around. You could also free up play action also for throwing the ball, but I feel like Kansas State, the way they're defending, might have issues with the quarterback run game. They might have issues with it. We saw a glimpse of it at Mississippi State, and this is a quarterback that can really move around. I feel like we could see this again. Which is where the two the two weeks to prepare really comes in handy. Right. From Wildcat Pilot 88, uh, sound-wise with the paddles versus the cowbells, which environment is more difficult to handle, Starkville or Stillwater? It's not really the noisemakers for me. It's it's being on top of you. Mississippi yeah. State wasn't on top of them. There was a lot of distance. I don't know. Was it how much space would you say was from the wall to the to the benches at Mississippi, at Mississippi State? Mississippi State considerable. Yeah, I mean they had a closer push, than I mean. closer than K State, but it's not like Oklahoma State where closer than K State. Yeah. Wow. What do you mean? Or I mean, like the stands are closer to the field than at K State. Oh wow! Okay. Well, State? I don't know. They, well, they've got shrubs. It might be similar. Shrubbery. I don't know. I figured it was significantly more space. Maybe at it was. State. But that's me looking uh, down at it. I don't know. It. He was just um, so happy with his game day experience he didn't notice. <laughs> he was very happy. Yeah. It's not I mean, the paddles are the same thing as the cowbells. They get to hit them during during the you know the huddle, whatever, but they have to stop them at some point. They can't just keep doing them. And I don't if they handle the cowbells, they can handle the paddles. I don't really think the paddles are all that I mean yes they're they're I loud think, but I think the not. paddles are worse. 
If you're if we're talking noise, the cowbells, just, you yeah. block it's just white noise. You block it out after a little bit. The paddles is boom, boom. That rhythm, boom. it's thumping. Yeah. But it's not that loud. The paddles annoying. are cooler. But it's not about loudness. It's more annoying than fair. But, but I mean, one way or another, it, for me, it comes back to Oklahoma State is, I mean, they could spit on K-State players when they're on the bench. And they do. I'm sure they probably do. I will, I'm going to take a stand right here on the PowerCat podcast and declare that Oklahoma State's paddles are one of the greatest underappreciated college football traditions. I love it. I think it's cool. Um, the cowbells are just annoying. Hey, my cow's naked in the field for the game. Um, you know, I mean, who has a bunch of cowbells laying around? They make these paddles. They, they highlight seniors on the team. I think it's a really cool tradition what they do. There, I've taken a stand. I mean, I don't think it's an absurd stand. It's, it's, I think if the cowbells get so much credit, Oklahoma State should get equal credit. There. All right. Whoa, 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 you went to Oklahoma State for one year. Yeah, I did. You Zach's were... just bitter he wasn't a paddle beater. <laughs> like, he'll deny it, but he Zach would have killed to be a paddle beater. Oh, I'm going to take cash with me and try buying one of them off of him <laughs> during the game. Do you think they, like, if one of them was like, yeah, if you give me 70 bucks, I'd take, you know, here, you can have my paddle. Do you think he could get another one? Yeah, they make them all the time. They do. Because I, okay. I, I think guys have broken them before. If you hit it wrong, you can torque The it. weird thing about it is that, and we're kind of going off here, but That's right. the paddles, yes, it's loud and annoying, but think about this. If you wanted to have a noisemaker of some sort in that stadium, why contain it to 10, was it 10 people, 15 people that have paddles? I don't know. I think it's, it's like a that, front row. Yeah, but like, why contain section. it to one row when you could come up with some sort of noisemaker to give to 60,000 fans? Well, or I whatever that can, place. I don't think you can have any noisemakers that, like a horn blowing. Right, but whistles, if you can have a cowbell, you can come up with something. A paddle. That's what they came up with. I'm saying something that you could do. A Vuvuzela stadium. Oh, <sighs> soccer. It's time to move on. <laughs> Last question of the first half. Oh, good. From Jimbo Slice six twenty. Jimbo. How significant is this game, win or lose? I don't like. I mean, we've said it before. House a lot. money for me. It's house money unless you get blown out. Mm-hmm. If K State wins, same you're, as Mississippi State for me. Yeah, if K State wins, you're over the top excited. You're four zero, off to a great start in conference, and you got another road win, which is huge. If K State loses, but it's close, you've got a lot to be pleased with. And hey, it was on the road. You're still kind of finding yourself. It's whatever. If K-State gets blown out, it's a step backwards because right. then you, you know, start feeling, worrying yeah. about other things. Was Mississippi State a fluke? This and that. Yeah. So I mean, I think I said the exact same thing on the insiders on Monday, but that's where I'm at. That's right. You can repeat, even though our listeners listen to every podcast. Well, when you keep pulling me onto every podcast, because you know Matt Walters can't. I know. Can't I, stick to a schedule. You're an important part of the team, and uh, I just think that this game is truly house money for K State, and I agree with Riley 100. percent Don't get blown out. If you lose, you lose. If you win, brother, you have got serious momentum building up as you come home to play Baylor off week TCU. They're going to beat the snot out off week. I know that, but. Baylor TCU. What's an off week doing in week five after one in week three? Allowing me to go to Oktoberfest in Hayes. <laughs> so you can and play have a, a Thursday night game. And have a pumpkin ale. 
If K-State wins this game, they will be 6-0 and going into the Oklahoma game. I'm calling it now. That's it from Riley Gates as he professes K-State will be 6-0 and and then beat Oklahoma. Whoa. <laughs> That's from Riley Gates here at GoParacat.com. Kansas State will beat Oklahoma and Texas this season. We'll be back on the other half of this other side of this break. We'll be back. Jeez. How did your dad give you this job? <laughs> Stay locked in. The PowerCat podcast will be right back. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sandra Herrera from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAFW Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the Winter Transfer Window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions podcast. I apologize for my behavior in the first half of this podcast. I've shamed my family. I have shamed Fridge Wholesale Liquor. And I have besmirched the good names of Riley Carlson and Zach Gates. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, and Zach Carlson back on the Power Cat Questions podcast, sponsored by The Fridge. I made fun of their pumpkin ales and flavored beers from two-headed places, but they also have California wines. They've got a lot of great California wines in right now. Follow them on Twitter, at Shop Fridge. Stay up with all their pricing, all their deals, what they've got coming in, and then you don't have to listen to these reads. By me, Tim Fitzgerald. Also, get into the high-low. They get their liquor, their beer, their yummy stuff. Well, yummy stuff would include food, which they don't get from the fridge. But they get all their liquid stuff from the fridge wholesale liquor. We were in at the high-low last week. It was so good. It was the first time I had the uh, Royale with cheese. I'm going to finish this. Oh, I'm sorry. If, uh, If the bars get their liquor from the fridge, why don't you? You. Right now, I'm pointing. You. You know I'm talking to you. Get into the fridge. Get into the high-low. Get into Tanner's. Get into the PowerCat podcast where we answer your questions from Wabash Station. And I'm going to throw it to Zach because he's got his phone in his hand. From QuesoCat. Caught him off guard. (laughs) Good transition. From QuesoCat, there was some speculation that a few players were taking reps at different positions during the bye week to see if them making a position change might be beneficial to the team in the future. Is there anything here you can report? Kleiman said about 15 players 
did some work at different positions. He didn't list names. He didn't, you know, hey, this happened, this happened. But he said about 15 players worked out at different positions, but they don't plan on making full switches. In other words, they sucked. Or they could have just been trying to plan ahead a little bit. Like, what if? Because you don't want to go into descent. Like, you know, let's say they are looking to switch some guys when December rolls around and the season's done, and you're like, oh, well, who who could we even start with? Like, you don't want to start at ground zero. You kind of want to have an idea like, hey, maybe this guy could make a switch to cornerback and we'll do it after the year's over. Hypothetically, if we have an injury at linebacker, they change. Not we as in my team, but theirs. You have a team? Yes, I'm on a team. Congrats. K-State's saying, if we have an injury at linebacker, Jonathan Alexander, can can you play up here? Let's try you out on the off week. Right. So, now, look, there's no position changes coming unless – Something major like that might happen, but nobody has made a full switch at this point. Quarterback, Trey Deshaun. You know, if you played NCAA made your race to the Heisman, guys, you built your quarterback sometimes like Trey Deshaun because he couldn't be tackled. And he was really fast. Hmm. Realistic. That's Very what my believable. brother did all the time. I am certain that I've never said this name on the podcast. The Dat Cat. Welcome. Based on how Gundy answered questions on K-State's offense, do you believe he is underestimating the new offensive schemes now in place? Like I said before, I think he just didn't watch film, and he tried to play it off like he did. Like he'd just seen him in passing and said, hey, they're running the football just like they used to. Hey, they have 11 guys on the field just like they used to. Hey, they're wearing purple just like they used to. Hey, that's a huddle. (laughs) What's that? Mike Gundy is not an idiot, okay? Like, big, confirmed, Mike Gundy is not an idiot. (laughs) Ouch. What do you got against Gundy? Mullet. I like Mike Gundy and his mullet. But Why don't you ask him about it next time we interview Mike Gundy? I mean, I can ask him about it on the teleconference, but I don't want to get shredded. Yeah. Um, no, I think when he said that it's the same K-State offense as it's been, I really do think he just didn't know and he didn't want to say, oh, I haven't watched any film yet. Because any any person with half a brain of football has watched this team and said, wow, that's different. Easiest one to point out, they have four running backs, not one. I mean, like that's very obvious. Not the same offense. They've thrown a ball to a tight end. Different offense. So, yes, I, I don't think he – I think he understands now. I don't think he thought about his comment at all, and I don't really think it means a whole lot at this point. If he was being serious, K-State's going to win by three touchdowns. Uh, yeah. If they're going in playing for just James Gilbert, it, it seems like something you would say if you were, like, trying to scout a football team and you were like, ah, oh, who's their leading rusher? Oh, James Gilbert. All right, he's you their running back. Stop him. That's what it seems like. But you could even do that and realize, oh, the quarterback isn't running 15 times a game. That is different. <laughs> yeah, he was like, you know, they're still going to run the quarterback. And I was like, when? Yeah. A one-yard dive? Maybe. They might not. Like every team in the country? <sighs> From Midtime BB, if any muff punt this weekend, will Chris Kleiman's comment about mistakes change to something more like one from Bill Snyder? No. He's going to maintain now. He might be a little bit more upset about it. If it happens multiple weeks, yeah, it's going to start to eat away at you. But he's not going to just start calling out players, you know, or getting after him for for any any uh, mistakes. I mean, 
If he didn't do it against Mississippi State, I don't think he's going to do it the rest of the year because that's just his coaching style. I doubt Chris Kleiman will publicly be upset. I'm positive I will tweet about it. <laughs> I will make a smart-ass comment about it. And people and all the young young fans go, oh, we don't have to be good at special teams. It's a new era of football. Well, you still want to be good at special teams. Maybe they should just hire another coach and make them special teams and do it with Sean. <laughs> no. That was my favorite argument during that, like, that time period where everybody was freaking out about the muffs. It was like, man, why don't they just hire Sean? I'm like, all right, fine. Well, hire Sean Snyder as a special teams coordinator. Who gets fired? Yeah, who do you fire? We'll just hire him. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> you only get so many. We have fired offensive coordinator Courtney Messingham so in an attempt to open a job for a special teams coordinator. Yes. Makes sense. Colin Klein offense, welcome home. <laughs> and they're running <laughs> and the quarterback. Skyler Thompson's dead. <laughs> <laughs> From PowerCat 80, if Snyder was still coaching and we had beaten Mississippi State, would we still be ranked? Or is the media in love with Chris Kleiman? They would be ranked. If they look this good, it doesn't matter if... David Beatty was the head coach. Hmm. You went there, didn't you? Well, I was going to say Mark Mangino, but uh, he was uh. actually kind of good at what he did. So, <laughs> like, I can't really use that one. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just about winning in Mississippi State. They emphatically won in their first two games and looked good in the process and then went and beat a ranked team on the road. Because yeah. the narrative would be, the Wizard has done it again. Yep. He went on the road, won this big game. They didn't have it out against Bill Snyder. They had it against Bill Snyder's team because his team was 5-7 and seven and struggled to win the games that they did win. I mean, <laughs> that's the difference. They won by, was it, 7 points to South Dakota and 52 points to Bowling Green. So there's the difference there. They, they would absolutely be mm -hmm. ranked. From Mountain Joe, do we see... Do we... Mountain Joe did not type that. Do you, we... Ah, <laughs> uh, I missed this one in the editing process. I apologize. Here we go. He's going to decipher now. <laughs> this one's on me. Thought I had it all. Do we... It's a basketball question. Oh. No. <laughs> what is happening it's, here? It's a both. Okay. Oh, I know what question okay. this is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do we see any similarities between Frank Martin's talented, toughened group with a new Bruce Weber approach and a Snyder toughened group now with a Chris Kleiman approach? Okay. It was worded right. Not the first part, but eventually. Ah, yes. okay. Uh, here's this has long been a theory of mine. This isn't. I. Uh, this is something I've applied many times before. And I think you can say it even worked for Ron Prince in his first year when he came to K-State and took over a Bill Snyder team and then took him to a bowl. Anytime you have one coach who, you know, knows what he's doing and offers, or her, offers the team lots of stuff, you know, that makes them better. In basketball, you're right. Frank Martin, they were tough. They rebounded. You know, they did a lot of their tenacious things. And then you brought in Bruce Weber, who's more of a coach that coaches X's and O's and, and you add that in with the toughness and they were really good. You know, Ron Prince came in and made it fun for a while for everyone and kind of compensated for the Bill Snyder thing where what really wasn't fun and made it seem better for a while until they realized he's nuts and they went to a bowl game. Anytime you have two coaches that are combining those philosophies into one group of players, 
I think you can have a positive impact. You can get it over the hump and, and make a difference. Maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe they've taken the – but in fairness – Chris Kleiman wants a lot of the same traits. He wants a very disciplined team. He wants guys that are accountable. How they go about that might be different. He wants big physical offensive linemen. That he inherited that. So there's certain elements of this team that he inherited that just fit what he wants to do. But I do agree that maybe this team, maybe the loose nature which doesn't mean not attention to detail, not to mention not having authority over your players. It just means the players are allowed to have a little more fun. It's a less serious atmosphere. Maybe that, combined with everything that happened under Bill Snyder and the coaching from these coaches, has turned this into something greater sum than the parts would you normally add up to. The difference here is... <clears throat> Bruce Weber and Frank Martin are different coaches. We said that have different coaching Much. philosophies. Bill Snyder and Chris Kleiman are different coaches, but also, like Fitz said, they want a lot of the same things. Okay, Bill Snyder was run first. Chris Kleiman is also run first, but he seems to be coaching it a little bit better at the end or than Bill Snyder was at the end there. He, I mean, K-State ran play actions before sometimes, and they worked under Bill Snyder. They're working here under Chris Kleiman. So it's... I definitely I love that question. It's a great question, and I think it's worth talking about because through three games, people have already started manufacturing the Chris Kleiman statue out front. So I think it's definitely worth asking, especially with how critical. But for now, it's just made of clay. Or how cautious we you know, how cautious we were with the Bruce Weber. You know, oh, well, he's winning with Frank's players. So you know, maybe you should be a little bit cautious. But I don't think it's the exact same thing because yeah. they are coaching a lot alike. I I get what you're saying, but I can sit here and watch, watch this team play and think he's kind of doing logical extensions of what Bill Snyder was doing. I mean, there was a time when Bill Snyder's running game in terms of running backs was more diverse than what they were at the end. That the play action was a bigger part of the offense because the, the quarterback was under center. That play action works less out of a shotgun. There was a time where they threw to the fullback and Certainly a time when they threw to the running or tight ends. I I see all that. But I almost feel like if Bill Snyder had remembered how he did things earlier, they would have been more successful. It's just a more diverse offense. The guys are playing without fear of, you know, it's going to be hell on earth if I make a mistake. They're just loose and going out and playing. Maybe this will wear off, and maybe it won't sustain itself through the whole season. But from everything I've seen from Chris Kleiman's history, there's no smoke and mirrors here. This is tangible. You don't win 20 straight games or whatever it is now with smoke and mirrors. You know what you're doing as a football coach. From ContraCat, rank the Big 12 quarterbacks for Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, K-State, and Iowa State. Oh, crap. i got to write this down. Jalen Hurts is number one, and that is undeniable. Right, right now, I'd agree. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that uh, – hmm. I think Sam Ellinger has been very – Sam Ellinger has done exactly kind of what he needed to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Exactly what he's needed to do here to kind of get Texas where they want to be. Um, you know, I haven't looked at him and said, like, man, I'm really disappointed in how he's played this year. But I also haven't looked at him and been like, 
that's the guy that we all said could potentially be in the Heisman talk. So uh, I'm not sure that I want to put him number two. I put Skyler number two so far this season. There's no doubt in my mind he's number two. I mean, his efficiency at quarterback is stunning. Jalen Hurts has been playmaking and efficient. <laughs> yeah, he's been everything. Yeah, I think I could put Skyler two. And who do you put three? You go back to Ellinger. Or? I want to almost say Spencer Sanders. It's intriguing. I think I think Purdy's Iowa State was the other one, right? Mm-hmm. I think Purdy's last, and that's interesting because he's the second. He's got the second highest numbers. He's averaging three hundred twenty nine yards a game, which is only behind Bowman right now in the Big Twelve, but. He just ran for three touchdowns and threw for three touchdowns in a game. Something very rarely done. That's why I'm so like it's I could tough. see them all going in. But I also have I've not watched Iowa State once and thought like, man, I would take him over Sam Ellinger. And I watched Oklahoma State thinking that kid's a stud. I don't know. Sanders probably has to be lowest, right? I guess. I just said I could put him three, but now he might be five. Hmm. You're I'm not good at decision making. Okay. Well, all right. I'm I, gonna go. I'm gonna go. I probably would put Sanders last for the the sole reason. I want to see more of him as a redshirt freshman. Yeah. I want to see him under pressure when he's really forced into things. I feel like he's a guy that's going to make mistakes throwing the ball into traffic. He's going to fumble the ball. He's going to do some of these things, but maybe he doesn't. I I need more body work for that reason alone. I will put him last. And I'd probably put Ellinger third just because I would love to have that guy leading my team. Yeah, that's where I was going. I'll go Hertz, Thompson, Ellinger. Stats aside, love that kid to be leading my team because he's got that Colin Klein, look at me bleed, follow my lead. I didn't mean that to rhyme, but that was fantastic. Podcast is over. T-shirt idea. Yeah. From Ema Wildcat eighty two, which happens first? Bill Self gets cut, or Mike Gundy cashes in on T Boone's hair uh. haircut coupon. <laughs> so next week, Riley, I will pay you uh, fifty dollars <laughs> to ask Mike Gundy this question, Coach Gundy. I understand that uh, the it was a joke about T Boone Pickens leaving you thirty dollars to go to Supercuts and get your mullet cut off. But what if I gave you $30 to go to Supercuts and get your hair, your mullet cut off? Would you do it? I'm going to need a compensation package if I ask that question because I will most certainly have to quit this job after that. It's what the $20 profit is for. <laughs> if, if he doesn't get a haircut, it's a $50 profit. <laughs> That's funny. I just had to lightly introduce us into our next topic here. Okay. From, from K-Ned, short of losing Bill Self as coach, can't Kansas survive nearly any other sanctions? No. Uh, it depends on how how serious the, shanks, serious the sanctions are. Well, define survive first. Well, yeah, they will still have a basketball program. They're not going to get the death penalty, but when you say survive, does that mean one year? If they had, you know, for example, they get a postseason ban, does that mean they did not survive it? Because they missed out on the postseason? Or does survive mean, eh, it was a small bump in the road. Right. And it set us back a little bit. If they get dinged a couple scholarships, 
that's hard to overcome when you're already at 13. If they get a two-year ban, that's going to hurt recruiting. If Bill Self leaves with nominal penalties to the program, they hire Jay Wright or someone like him, and I don't see it dropping off if they still can cheat. Well, and you said it right there in the question. Short of him, short of Bill Self being no longer being the coach, hell, he could get fired tomorrow, and I think Kansas basketball would still be okay. Will Kansas still be able to operate its basketball program in the manner in which the NCAA is accusing it of doing? If the answer is these penalties will put an end to it, it won't ever be the same. If the answer is the penalties will be a little slap on the wrist, even if Bill Self leaves to coach the Spurs or the Thunder or whomever he might go coach, and they go hire someone of notable stature to take over the program, and oh, by the way, wink, wink, Adidas is still helping us out, then no, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. I think we can all agree we're hoping that this ends with such severe probation they have to auction off those rules of the game to raise money to pay their debts. <laughs> they have to sell Allen Fieldhouse. To like a warehouse company, like it'd be long-term indoor storage. I think that's a fitting punishment. Allen Fieldhouse storage and dry dock. <laughs> I went too far, I think. But look, I, I will believe it when I see it. I will, when this all happens, if you haven't heard the insiders, excuse me, if you haven't heard the Sources podcast from Tuesday when I had Kevin Keatsman on, we talked K-State football because he's a K-Stater, and then we talked this KU thing, and I just don't, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'll believe it when I see it. Right, Riley? They always wiggle off the hook. They, oh, you're in trouble now? No, we're not. We're still cheating. Yes, I'll believe it when I see it, but also, and I think we're going to get into this here in a question or two, but these are new. These are accusations this that have not serious. been brought forth yet. This Lack of serious. institutional control. Uh, coach, no, oh, how was it? What was the word? The coach, coach rule breaking. <laughs> That's not the right wording of it, but lack of insti- institutional control. lack of institu- lack of institutional control is oh bad. It's horrible. That's that's pretty big, and they and nobody's ever come forth yet. So like that's a, that's the difference here is like you know I got a bunch of KU friends who are kind of in denial right now. Sure, and they're like, oh, this always happens. We always get told that we're in hot water, and then we're not. You've never been charged with lack of institutional control, and it, there's a difference. And Coach Self's never been named. Yeah, this. That's that means it's the head guys involved in it. You can't throw Curtis Townsend under the bus, hand him a couple million dollars, and say thanks. That's not going to happen. I mean, you just can't get away with that. So we'll see. And like Kevin Keatsman said, he's, he's sure that Kansas will sue the NCAA and take it to a quarter law. I will say this: be careful, because then if you're going to be calling people as witnesses. The NCAA can talk to them under sworn testimony. Yep. Be careful about taking this into the legal system where you afford the NCAA maybe more legal leeway than they have just as a, a uh, you know, controlling organization. At the end of the day, you signed up. You knew the rules. What are you suing about? Because so, they're mean to us. Last question of the podcast from KSU number one. If you were the NCAA, what punishment would you level on Kansas? Uh, probably disbanding the school. 
If I was in NCAA. Seems fair. It seems fair. Look, you can't you can't accurately answer this question until we get more evidence coming out. You know, they say they have a text message of Bill Self supposedly agreeing to pay a player, but, you know, what does it say? Can they get out of it? Blah, blah, blah. You know, we kind of need to see how it unfolds. But let's just assume the NCAA comes out. They get, you know, they, they prove them right. Yes, Kansas paid players. Bill Self knew about it. They lied, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're not getting the death penalty because, yes, the NCAA might want to make a statement, but they're not going to make that kind of a statement. They're not going to fire Bill Self for the same exact reason. So the punishment that you hand down that could really – if you really want to make a statement, if you win this thing and you want to show people that you're serious about ending this, you give them a postseason ban for a year, if not two. Uh, I've said this before. If the NCAA is serious about stopping this, here is your penalty. You can never coach in the NCAA again. Anyone involved in this who's on the staff can no longer be on the staff or the payroll of an NCAA institution. Period. Done. No, I don't think they'll do that. Give the death penalty to the people who cheat and coaches won't cheat. Because right now, what's at stake for them? I I get caught. I leave, I go somewhere else. Even if I have a show cause for three, five years, I can go to the NBA and coach and come back later. But it changes a whole lot when I can never come back. If I go to the NBA, if I Lon Kruger it and go to the Bulls for three, four years, not that Lon cheated, he doesn't do that, but then he came back. When that didn't work out, he came back to college. If those coaches know you can never coach in the NCAA again. This crap stops. If we catch you, you can do the NBA. You can do NAIA. You can do semi-pro basketball in Dodge City. You can go to Europe. But you'll never coach NCAA college basketball again. Make that a penalty. And the coaches will perk up and say, oh, that one hurts me really directly. Not temporarily where I can live off the savings I have because I'm overpaid because I'm a college basketball coach. But that hurts me down the road. And if you're an assistant coach that makes, you know, maybe $250,000 a year, and that's a great living, but you're probably never going to get an MBA job, the thought that you could be penalized and never be able to coach the NCAA level again You'll say, no, coach, I'm not going to do that for you. You can do it directly. I'm not taking the fall for you if this school gets caught. That's what would happen if I was the NCAA. Plus, the media would get free cookies. Man, you had such a good rant going, and then what? I thought it was was a good finish. We already get free cookies. Do you not like cookies? We already get free cookies. Okay, we retract the cookies. That's it for this week's PowerCat Questions podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you uh, continuing to download the podcast. It's amazing what our numbers look like right now. We have more than zero. I'm confident of that. (laughs) Big if true. Big if true. We will talk to you on Thursday with the pregame podcast. 
Some changes coming to that. We will talk to you on Friday with the Overtime Podcast. And next Tuesday, we premiere the Tannehill and Spiller Podcast, taking place of the Sources Podcast. We went out with a bang with Kevin Keatsman, at least for now. They will take it through the rest of football season. Travis Tannehill, former tight end, and Monty Spiller, former safety, will talk about the game and then move into a segment where they will interview another former Wildcat. It's K-State football players talking about K-State football with K-State football players. It's the Tannehill and Spiller podcast premiering next week at GoParacat.com. Uh, and we will have some other changes coming up, a new addition and a subtraction in the near future at Go Cap. I'll explain that later on the site. I'm Fitz. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the PowerCat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. PowerCat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.